Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Mercury Mile. Mercury Mile is fusing fashion and function for runners of all abilities, and all it takes is three easy steps. Just go to mercurymile.com, create a profile, choose your preferences, and they will send you out a personally stylized box full of goodies. we got clothing, accessories, nutrition, all sorts of things from your own personal stylist, and you get to keep what you love and send back what you don't, which is always a nice feature. This is not a subscription box service. Just when you go in there and request a box, they send it out to you, and even better, you get to save 10 bucks at checkout by using promo code RAMBLINGRUNNER. 10. That's mercurymile.com. So this is part two of my interview with Bridget Bradford. So part one, first of all, this all goes in chronological order. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, it came out last Thursday. Listen to that first and then come back and listen to this episode. So this is part two. So this is kind of Bridget's redemption. She had the bad marathon experience. She, you know, dealt with, you know, the idea of setting a new PR, and then it all comes crashing down with the DNF. We've all been there. We've all had those running experiences, whether it's a DNF or just that horrible race where everything goes wrong. But she didn't let it stay there. She bounced back and bounced quack quickly and with abandon. So I'm excited to bring this episode to you as well. And if you like it, I hope you share it, whether it's uh, in person with your friends or via social media. Please do that because... Getting new people to take a peek at the show was always nice, not for my sake, but for these great guests. I think it's uh, you know, people like Bridget and, frankly, all the guests I've had on the show. It really is something I'm very fortunate to do to talk to all of these people. So if you like it, please share or even shoot, even rate a review over on Apple Podcasts. That's always nice as well. But enough about me. Enough about the show. Let's get into the second part of my conversation with Bridget Bradford. So, so I think one of the reasons why I ended up dropping out exactly at mile 18 was actually, I saw one of my teammates um, and she had dropped out. And so as soon as I saw her, I was like, I felt, I think a little bit of permission, like, and she's much faster than I am. So I was like, whoa, if Jess dropped out, like, then like dropping out is an option. I can do that. Um, And maybe I should do that. And so I will say that like there's a moment of relief and then the, then the emotions just start coming. And I do think that it was just like more about like the disconnect between the expectation for that day and what was actually happening than than necessarily the people pleaser part. And I think the people pleaser part came afterwards when it was like, Ooh, like what am I going to say to David? Like what? Do, and now I have to go not have to, but like now I'm going to go to brunch and like, all of my friends who had great races, like, what are they going to like think of me? Um, and, you know, again, they don't, they didn't care, like, and ended up having like great conversations with them, which I think sparked my ability to like recover from this race much more quickly than um, I think I would have um, otherwise, but um, yeah, it kind of came in waves. Um, but one thing that my actually Jess said to me, we're, you know, both standing there and I'm kind of crying is she said, like, remember that we do this for fun. Like I, she said, I dropped out because it wasn't fun. And I think that kind of like reminded me like, Oh yeah. Like I'm not a pro runner. Like I do do this for fun. 
And I kind of got it. I need to find a way to get back to that place in training and in racing. Now, did you ever have the thought that maybe just marathons weren't going to be fun? Obviously, yeah. we <laughs> spoiler alert, we already know what happens at Cascade. Yeah. But at that moment, were you thinking like, hey, all right, she brings up a good point. Things yeah. should be fun. My last two marathons were not fun. Yeah. So like maybe just marathoning isn't the answer here. Maybe there's a lot of other races out there. Maybe I should explore those. That's so that's such a that's such a good point. And like I've had since training with David, like I've had such good like I've PR the five K, PR the ten K, PR the half marathon. Like I've had great races at every other distance. Um, but honestly, there's something about the marathon and like I for whatever reason, it's kind of absurd to say out loud. Like I think of myself as a marathoner. And so it never once crossed my mind to be like, I'm just not going to do this. It was like, I have to crack this nut. Like I have to figure out how to run a marathon. Well, run a marathon that I'm proud of. And like, I, I had done it before. I mean, the marathon that I, that I ran to qualify for Boston, like I was so proud of that. I just felt like that time wasn't reflective of, of where I was in my fitness. And so I kind of was like, you can do this. You just need to like, remember that you can do this and, and find a way back to that place. So had you already signed up for Cascade prior to Mountains to Beach or when, when did that yeah. happen? Yeah. So no. So David and I got on the phone the next day and I was like, I had already like that night I was already like Googling everything. Like, could I find a way to like get to grandma's marathon and like the travel to get there was just crazy. And, um, so we, we came up with, with, um, where we, we both found cascade. And so I had signed up like that maybe the next night night or, or the next day. Um, and I also signed up for CIM because I didn't want to have this, like mountains to beach had been like my race and it kind of, I had put all of my eggs in that basket. And so even though CIM wouldn't have gotten me Boston 2019, it kind of mentally gave me like a, Hey, you have two marathons. Like, it's fine. Like, just like you're, these are not stop thinking about things as like your a race and just start thinking yourself of yourself as a runner. If you want to think about yourself as a marathoner, that's fine. Then, then run marathons, but you've got to finish them and you've got to like, enjoy it. So figure out how to do that. Right. So how, what was the time between mountains to beach and cascade? Five how, weeks, five weeks. How do you navigate yeah. that? So what, what, what's the five week marathon yeah. plan? The fiat. So, I mean, my, my, my fitness is there. Like I've done all the work for, for mountains to beach. And so now it's kind of walking this tightrope of like, how do you stay like presuming like I was physically kind of um, at my peak for mountains to beach. Like it's very hard, I think, to like stay there physically. Um, but I kind of just like gave up thinking about that and just like told, you know, trusted that like David could figure out how to like physically kind of keep me in a place where I could run the mar- run a marathon and run it well. Um and for me, that five weeks was just like, hey, this is all now about like mental training. You have got to like retrain your brain to think in a way that that allows you to to finish and allows you to finish with a with a smile. Um, and I think that was that was that was really challenging in a way that I hadn't kind of challenged myself before. And I think it goes back to that idea of like, hey, for some people, like running makes them happy and it helps kind of battle anxiety. But for me, I think it can fuel the anxiety and so I've got to I've got to kind of work through that and and figure out what the what are the triggers and what are the things that are making me kind of doubt myself and what are the ways in which I can challenge that and and reframe it and so that's what that that five weeks was was focused on mostly for me 
I can completely relate to that. I had a podcast with Megan Doherty where I said, "I loved that episode." I loved. Well, <laughs> yeah. thank you. That's my, I had the exact same. So problem. good. Yeah, I like you know racing gives me like mental problems. It does yeah. not running does not solve mental problems for me. Yeah. It gives me mental problems. Yeah. Um. So I can I can completely relate to that. So you have five weeks of re as you put it, kind of retraining your brain to mm-hmm. finish with a smile. Yeah. Which is a great line at, at the Cascade Marathon. So, all right, that sounds great. How do you actually do that? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, so some things are going to, to be kind of the obvious things that I think everybody talks about. But for me, there was, I think, kind of this thing that clicked with, like, the with Mountains to Beach. I kind of realized, like, okay, I can't just, I can't just ignore this. I really need to, like, believe and find ways to, like, um, like embody these things that I think I tell my friends and, and that I kind of academically know are important, but I'm not, I'm not like living. Um, and so part of that is like meditating, trying to, to sleep better. Um, try, you know, one thing that, that David and I agreed on was that I wasn't actually going to tell anyone that I signed up for Cascade. So the, only I noticed two, that. So the only two people that knew were my boyfriend and, and David, I didn't tell my mom and tell my sister, I didn't tell anybody else. Um, and so kind of keeping that for me. And I think that really made me focus on like, what is my why? Like, why am I out here doing this? Um, and, you know, I don't have like a, a, a very unique thing. I think it's a the thing that, that drives a lot of runners, which is just like, Hey, go, you know, pushing myself, finding my own limits, um, like finding ways to, to enjoy when things, when things hurt. Um, like that's, that's what drives me. I just kind of, I love, I do love the process. And so you kind of have to remind yourself of that when things get, get tricky. Um, some like very specific things that we did was, um, I removed all pace and like kind of those performance indicators from my Garmin. So Garmin has, um, at least the new Garmin's like, they have this like freshness alert. It's this thing that'll go off if you don't turn it off, like one mile into your run, it'll tell you like your performance indicator. And I'm not exactly sure how they calculate this, but I think it's based probably based on, um, how like your your heart rate and your pace at the time so like how quickly is your heart rate getting high based on the pace that you're running um but that thing like I don't really need my Garmin to tell me that like my fitness is negative five at the beginning of an 18 mile run like that does not put me in a good mental place um so I (laughs) took that off I took off the like training status part which like would often tell me that I was like untraining or or unproductive in my training. Um so like those little things those little things definitely helped um um and and yeah it was just a lot of like ca- trying to catch myself um whenever I would start to start to get negative and just and reframing things. So you know from the moment that I woke up not saying in my head like you have to run eight miles today, but being like, you get to run eight miles today. Like, isn't that great? And like, not thinking like, Oh, it's hot out today, but being like, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit hot out, but like, you're totally capable of handling that. Um, and, and I think those, those little changes like made a big, a big impact. Um, and I think for me, I'm just very bad at compartmentalizing my life. And so, you know, I think I, 
um, like just being aware of that of like, hey, if I have like a, a stressful work call right before a run, like that is going to like kind of impact my mood and either just accepting that that's the case or trying to like work through that um, in the moment um, was was really important. And things like, you know, kind of what am I on my easy days? Like I always I'm always listening to podcasts and I kind of had to shift and realize the like hey, if I'm listening to like news podcasts or or podcasts that are like making me really stressed about like the state of the world, like that is actually affecting my runs. And maybe I need to like put more positive things in my ears and in my head as I'm running, Um, you know, which led me to to listening to a a lot more podcasts like yours. And I I downloaded um, uh, Dina Castor's book, which is amazing. Oh, God, so good. So good. Um, But just kind of filling myself with like with, positive people with people who are talking about positive things with people who are um you know kind of putting putting me in a, in a good place I mean it's really as simple as like you know you you are the sum of the people that you, that you that you surround yourself with and I think that's true um and kind of the, the stimulus and and things that that I don't know I guess I guess you know I was always surrounding myself with positive people it's more just like how I was framing framing their inputs, framing their, their, their space in my life. Um, and I think, you know, while I was being very quiet about Cascade, I was being very open about um, the experience of, of mountains to beach. And so having tons and tons of conversations with people um, about that experience and, you know, them really reminding me that like, Hey, like, you know, if the roles were reversed, like, would you think less of me? And of course the answer is no. Um, And, you know, them kind of reminding me that like nothing about that performance made them change anything about the way that they think about me or me as a runner or any of that. Um, And so that kind of, I think helped me, um, helped me find like my way to like just a much more like positive place. That's a great point. How they kind of reframed that part for you. Yeah. Um, you know, how would you view my performance? You'd be like, what do you mean? I wouldn't care. Right. Of course. I would support you either way. You know, what are you yeah. talking about? Um, right. All right. Now that's, that's barely, that's really interesting. Uh, I know a lot of people do those sorts of things like sleeping well, and meditation yeah. and reframing and trying to have a positive mindset. And that's, you know, some people are very big on that and some people mm-hmm. need to be reminded of that on a more consistent basis. So I totally get that, especially when it comes to running, because, you know, like you said, like it's one of the, one of the main things that brought it, you know, that kind of brought marathoning in, in the forefront of your life. You mentioned this right at the beginning of the show was that it had, had a goal line that it had a finish. Like it wasn't just this ongoing process. It was these benchmarks that you would hit. And it's hard when you have, that's part of the things that, one of the things that is attractive for you about the sport, it's difficult mm-hmm. to then divorce yourself from those same benchmarks, which is part of the reason that you got into it. Totally. It's hard to say like, hey, I yeah. love the results. And then be like, but I don't care about the results. It's like, <laughs> oh, that's tough. That's oh, totally. Tough, that's a tough needle to thread. Totally. I think I, I mean, I still struggle a little bit with that. It's like, can I be a serious marathoner, but still like a, you know, on race day, like approach this as like, hey, we're just here to have fun. This is just a celebration. Um, and I can't tell you like how many times I've had conversations with the people around me about that specific thing is like, can't like, does it make me somehow less of like a competitor or less, um, uh, like, does it somehow take away from my performance to like, to, 
decouple and like not put pressure on myself on race day. Um, and I think some people can handle that pressure and some people like it works for them. And I think for me, the answer is like, no, I, I, I really can't like, you know, maybe if I worked with a sports psychologist and I had, you know, I was some elite runner, like we could find a way to make it work. But, you know, where I'm at as, as an amateur who just kind of wants to, to see how far this can go, like the only way for me to get more PRs is to like focus really hard on training and, 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 and enjoy that process and kind of like see the, the beauty in those finish lines. Um, and then come race day, just be like, Hey, this is about celebrating all of the work that you did. Um, but not, not putting so much pressure, um, and like time goals on, on any one specific race. Here's the thing that I always struggled with when it comes to putting the, just have fun mindset (laughs) is that, it sounds wonderful, yeah. but I, I always wondered if it would make me less tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's like, all right, we just want to have fun. Be like, well, I know there's going to be a point where this is not going to be fun. Yeah. So what happens then? Like, yeah. is it, am I going to be surprised? Am I just going to pack it in and be like, oh, fun's gone. I'm out of here. Right. You know, like, like what, what was that like for you trying to, I guess, look at these kind of paradoxical things at mm-hmm. the same time so I think part of it was like so having two two marathons lined up I think kind of freed me up a little bit I kind of thought about it as like hey I need to use mountain I need to use not mountains to beach I need to use cascade to remind myself that I can do this let's just like focus on on finishing on focus on like on running a really smart race and if you want to like grind it out and like and potentially like bonk or have like the most epic PR of your life, then do that at CIM. Um, and so I think freeing myself up um, to to kind of still hold on and live in both of these buckets of of mentality that we're thinking about was really helpful. Um, but having the the race experience that I had at Cascade made me realize that. Um, you know, if I can get to mile twenty and feel and feel really good and positive. Um, it's going to hurt the last six miles, but feeling like feeling good at that moment, like fuels me to be able to dig even deeper than I, than I could have, if like it had been hurting and I had been kind of redlining a lot earlier. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of where I've landed. Um, but I, I certainly something that I struggle with. And how much of kind of like kind of having fun in the moment mindset Mm -hmm. is the equivalent of just not judging yourself. In yeah. The moment. Yeah. So I think a lot of, I think, you know, it's certainly a lot of that. And I think it's certainly a lot of like trying to, to be present, trying to, um, to like, to be a force of like positivity for the, for people or um, for other racers, you know? So like, if you can high five people, like cheer other people on, you know, thanking the, the, the aid station volunteers, like all of that, I think, is like these temporary um, ways to kind of distract yourself from the pain or distract yourself from, from even, I mean, there's parts of a marathon where it's just like monotonous. Like you're just like, okay, we're just going and going and going. Um, And having those little, those little respites um, is really, is really helpful. Um, So I don't think, you know, I'm not out there like being like, I'm, you know, I'm on cloud nine the whole time and, you know, smiling ear to ear, like the entire time. But I think it's about, trying to just like keep the mind in a positive place and keep the mind in a place that is very like present and kind of full of like gratitude for the moment that you're in. And not just focus on the self. 
right? You're, you're, right. It sounds like you're talking yeah. a lot about things, external yeah. things here, which reminds me of uh, several of the interviews that Des Linden did yeah. after the Boston Marathon, where she talks yeah. about how the first few miles did not go as she was hoping they would go. And this right. is someone who has quite a few marathons under their yeah. belt and has, right. you know, has very, um, you know, obviously is very well, you know, kind of her body is really fine tuned and she knows how yeah. her body feels. There's no, there's no guessing, right? Like yeah. she knows how to read her body signals. Totally. However, obviously she doesn't have it as fine tuned as one would think because here she is thinking that this race isn't going to work out for her. And she basically shifts her mindset from thinking about herself to basically mm-hmm. everybody else. And I'm not going to recant the whole marathon here. If right. one goes into Des Linden, goes into like Des Linden, I definitely suggest doing so. But she talks about how she basically takes, she basically gets into second place of the marathon almost by accident. Yeah. And it's hysterical because she's like out there trying to pace other people and then people fell off her, right. her pace. And she was just trying to like break the wind break the wind to jesus christ that's <laughs> not what i meant to say basically like to lead the pack so yeah. people could like you know um you know kind of flow behind her uh a little bit boy i could have come up with a, a better choice of words there but um and, uh, you know, kind yeah of, kind of lead, lead the pack a little bit so yeah. other people could be a little more aerodynamic and then everyone just fell off the pace and it sounds like that is almost a similar mindset that david has with the swap team and one that you've kind of adopted in this race yeah I think that's, I think that's spot on. And I think that's, that's definitely something that maybe you see a little bit more with the the ultra community. And, and that might be because like, they rely so much on like cr- having a crew there and, and needing like tons of aid stations um, and tons of kind of race support that, that a lot of, you know, even a marathon doesn't necessarily require like that many people or that much, that, that much help for any individual racer. Um, right. But it definitely, it, it it helps me. Um, and, and it's definitely something that like, I've just found that it makes me, yeah, feel better. And, and at least with, with, with Cascade and, you know, with all of the like half marathons and everything from five Ks to half marathons that I've done before I decided to do another marathon build, like that was, I think the, the key, the key difference, um, in, in kind of finding, finding a way to like really, really enjoy, enjoy racing. So tell me about the first 10 miles since like, that was like the first, <laughs> the first 10 miles of your previous two marathons yeah. were, were very tough. So talk about the first 10 here. Yeah. So, you know, immediately found the, the three twenty five pacer, um, and just started actually, no, no, no. I found they didn't have a three twenty five pacer. I went out with the three thirty pacer. Um, and so waiting, you know, waiting for the start, I just like introduced myself to him. He was like this super positive, awesome guy and started kind of talking to the runners that were around me. Um, and that just, again, it's like distract, kind of distracting myself, um, taking myself out of this, um, like kind of investing myself in other people's race goals. Um, and you know, I, the first, um, so with this one, you do a five mile loop, actually very similar to, to mountains to beach, you do a five mile loop. Um, and, and it's a net downhill from there. Um, and you actually go run through this two mile tunnel, which is very surreal. Um, it's completely dark, um, and a little bit disorienting and then it messes up with your, with your watch. So if I had pace on my watch, which I didn't, um, it wouldn't have worked anyways because your watch doesn't know what to do with a tunnel. Um, but those miles, I was just very, like it was I was very outside of my own, of my own head. Um, the effort felt incredibly easy so much so that like, I think the only kind of negative thought or the thought that I had to kind of push aside 
was like you're not trying hard enough like this is this feel like like you're 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 this easy um and I think I just had to kind of like push that aside and say like this is this is what we're doing today and if if you want to if you still if you still feel that way at mile 13 then then you can we can make a different decision about the pace um so those first 10 miles just felt felt like very fun very light there and very easy my breathing is not like you know ringing in my ears my heart rate feels like really low it just felt like oh this is an all-day pace I can I can do this all day all right so you meant you just mentioned your watch and I was about to bring it up anyway <laughs> yeah what so did you have a watch on and if yep. so what was it setting for yeah, so my watch since Mountain to Beach, the only thing that my watch says is um, time and distance. Um, so if I really, if I if I wanted to do you know mental math, which I'm not, I'm not very good at math anyways. Um, I could probably figure out my pace, but um, but uh, I I don't. Um, so it doesn't give no. you. So it doesn't flash splits at you. No, I had to, yeah. So I turned off off the the split alerts. I turned off all pace. Um, and on the next screen, so if I click down, then I can see my heart rate, and that's it. Got it. And heart rate on the next one. Yeah. Interesting. So is that is that there to stay now? Is that is that how I, it's going to be moving forward? I think so. I mean, for, for now, like it's working for me for now. It's a little bit tricky with. Um, with workouts. Um, and I think part of that again is my desire to like, you know, even if David says like, Hey, go, you know, I want two minutes at 5k effort. Like I have in my head what my 5k effort is. And if I don't have pace on my watch, uh, then I kind of don't know. Um, but I think part of like one thing that I'm just trying to, again, to trying to reframe right now is that like that in and of itself is an interesting challenge. Like how, like how good am I at finding 5k day, like day after day without the ability to check my watch to see like, is this actually, you know, what I think my 5k pace is. Um, And the cool part is, is that like, you know, I think not having pace actually sometimes allows me to run faster. I think so as much as, as there are plenty of days leading up to mountains to beach where I was like struggling to hit what I thought was my pace and I just wasn't quite there. The opposite is also true where you kind of like pigeon, hang on, the dog is barking. Hold on. Boo. Stop. Um, the same is also true where you kind of say like, this is my 5k pace and maybe you could actually run a lot faster if you kind of just let go of that preconceived notion about what you're capable of, um, or what like a specific race effort pace is for you. That's a good point. So when was your first major hurdle in the marathon? Uh, honestly, like this was this was a very well executed race. I, I never, I, I never had like a, a real like, Oh no, this is not going to happen. Or I'm really worried here. Like at mile 20, um, I was able to take the gel and then I like, I started kind of pushing, pushing the pace, but again, I have no idea what my pace is. So like, I'm just kind of pushing the effort and at 20 miles, like the effort is starting to feel, is starting to feel hard. And I was just kind of very much trying to focus on, um, staying in that mile. So, you know, it wasn't until mile 25 that I was like, oh, I'm going to finish this race and I'm going to finish it quickly. Um, and I'm going to PR. I just like never, never once took anything for granted and never once kind of start, tried to like put myself ahead of where I was in the race. Um, yeah. Right. 
And then obviously as you've gotten to mile 24 or 25, you don't have to be a math whiz to yeah, see right, right. Yeah. what the time could end up being. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So, I mean, at, at, at mile 20, like I was looking down and I, you know, I kind of know roughly like what I can run, you know, a, a 10K in and I'm realizing like, oh, okay, I, I have a shot here. I'm not, I, I have a shot of, of, of PRing this by a lot. Um, and that's exciting, but I think I was just very, very careful to not get ahead of myself and to really just say like, okay, so, so up the effort just a little bit, um, you know, keep, 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 keep on it. Um, but I, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know at that point if I'm really running like 715 pace or 7, 720, 730 pace or, or, or 815, nine minute pace. It just felt like, okay, this is this is the effort that I feel like I can maintain at this point with 20 miles in my legs for six more miles. So after the race, did you ever look to see what you ran the last mile in on Strava? Uh, No, I actually didn't. Whoa, look at you. (laughs) Keeping the mindset all the way through the finish line. Yeah. I mean, I was passing people and like, it just felt so good. I think I don't, I'm trying not to like obsess about that race the way that I have obsessed about, about races in the past. So do you know, I am, I am obsessed with this race because tortured <laughs> marathon history. So I will obsess for you. Um, that is fantastic. Well, first of all, thank you so much for sharing all this. Um, yeah. You're really diving into the mindset that it took and obviously talking about things that, um, you know, kind of brought you down uh, in yeah. the moment. So I, I really appreciate that. It is it's so interesting because Everyone has races that they invest so much time and mental energy in. And it can be such a bummer when it doesn't go well, especially a marathon. Because like I just put in four months of work into this sucker to say nothing of like the mental energy and expectations. And it can just be like it just you cannot compare the disappointment of a marathon to disappointment of a short race. Yeah. I, yeah, completely. The cool part is, is though, like, you know, having that experience and yeah, definitely brought out, like, it made it possible for a lot of friends and a lot of my teammates to, like, come and talk to me about their own experiences. So I feel like it, it was this cool kind of bonding experience where I realized, like, oh, I'm really not alone. And I think then part of that was, like, I sought out other stories. Um, you know, I listened to tons of, of archived episodes from your podcast of people who had had, like, bad races or disappointing races. Um, and there's just, again, like, the community is amazing. And people are there to 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 share in the good, the bad, and the ugly. It doesn't always seem like that on, you know, if you're just scrolling through Instagram. But, um, like, I think people people are really willing to 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 talk, you know, directly to people. Um, and you know, those stories are out there, which, you know, does make you feel really good or less alone in that moment when you're having, you know, kind of trying to dig your way out of, out of, uh, out of the hole and find a way back to like feeling, feeling like a runner and feeling like a capable runner. Exactly. Very well said. All right. So we're going to dive in to the last few questions I like to do with every episode. You've already said that you listen to things on runs. You've been very generous by saying that this is one of the things you're listening to. What else do you listen to? Um, So for me, it is, it is lots of podcasts. Um, So I don't know how much you want me to like talk about other podcasts. I listen to, I listen to all the podcasts. So there's plenty of, there's plenty of room for all of us. So yeah, keep it, you can say. Yeah. So uh, Finding Mastery, I think is great that he has a great episode actually with Des Linden. Is that Um, Michael Gervais? Oh, you're going to, oh, you're going to quiz me on his name. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's his name. 
Um, yeah, he he's great. Um, I listen to there's an episode or there's a show a podcast called Terrible. Thanks for asking, which like digs into like people who have been through really awful stuff, and sometimes that's actually kind of um, I think interesting to, to to listen to on a run, just kind of to frame like frame the type of pain that you're going through or frame like the difficulty or the stress that you're going through by being like, uh, this is really not that bad. Listen to this person who like really had to, had to deal exactly. with some stuff. Um, yes. So yeah. I, um, I listen, I mean, I, I try now not to listen to the like political or news stuff. Um, but working in Silicon Valley, I love like tech podcasts. So I listen to a podcast called reply all. Um, which is kind of interesting um, and 99% invisible. Those are kind of my go-tos. And then a lot of audiobooks. Um, it sounds like you've read a lot of like the running books, but I mean, I love Born to Run and Dina Castor's book. Um, I kind of, I guess, gear towards a little bit more towards like the, the athletic kind of memoir type, type books. Yeah. I, mean, I, I swear to God, I was the first person to subscribe to Audible. I've oh, gone through like that. It's like I got like the gold membership. I like <laughs> I was like so bummed when they changed the membership. It was like before yeah. it was like you guys used to get so many credits. It was like this like, yeah. like bounty of riches from credit standpoint. Yeah, so I'm, t- I'm totally down with that. Dina Castor's book was great. Yeah, in Audible. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. And then um, yeah, it's like there's there's a dearth of running books. Yeah, on there. But uh, Matt Fitzgerald's "How Bad You Want It" is on there, which is great. So is um, "Endure" by Alex Hutchinson. Oh, love that. Yeah, that was really that was really helpful. Um, uh, kind of go- going back and re-listening to some of the like the the psychology and the mental aspects of it, and realizing like everybody deals with this stuff, and and there is a lot to be said for for getting out of your head, you know, and 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 you know maybe in my case like removing pace and and just trying to 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 be far more present. I think, you know, that book having kind of like the evidence-based research around that, that idea um, and how much kind of positivity actually is like an incredible performance enhancer um, felt good, especially at the beginning of this process where you're kind of just like, is this going to work? Like, does this work for anyone going back and kind of listening to, to some of, some of the research on positivity um, that's in that book was really helpful for me to be like, Oh no, 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 this is a thing. (laughs) Yes, yeah, so many paradigm shifting moments. That's right. for sure. And I'll say another one. My favorite, my favorite one, you know, by 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 you know by so much. And as much yeah. as I love these others, and I've said it before on this show, is Iron War by Matt Fitzgerald. It's a oh, triathlon I read book. That one. Yeah, it's a triathlon book, mm-hmm. but it is so darn good, and it's yeah. so relatable because it compares. Um, you know, it's, it's, it compares two athletes who are so mm-hmm. different. And mm-hmm. yet both reach the pinnacle of their sport at the same time. Yeah. And it's like it juxtaposes their life. And it's like, see, you can live however you want to live as long as it's true to you and still achieve remarkable things. There's so yeah. much, there's so much goes into it. But let me tell you this, anyone who wants to listen to that, I will throw a disclaimer out there. When I first listened to it, it like annoyed the heck out of me <laughs> until I gave it more time. And I was like, okay. Oh, that's why he's doing it. The, 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 the narrator, I think it's yeah. I actually know the name because I've heard this book so many times. It's, it's Seth Michael Donsky is the name of the narrator. And okay. he pronounced um, Iron Man mm-hmm. early in the, 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 the book as Iron Man. And I'm like, just okay. say it right. Yeah, For God's right. sake, am I going to have to listen to this the whole time? And like, it's only because that's what it was called at yeah. first. I wasn't okay. like enough of a historian in triathlon yeah. to know that. And then yeah. later in the book, he starts calling it Iron Man. 
But at okay. first, I'm like, okay. this guy doesn't even know how to say the name of the hey. event. He's reading the book. <laughs> but um, so just quick disclaimer, if you get that book, just fight your way through that part. You're going to love the rest of it. All right. Oh, um, that's great. Advice. What's the advice that you give to other people, but that you have trouble following? Oh my gosh. At like every piece, every piece of advice I feel like I give to other people, but I have so much trouble following. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's just all of the things that we, that we've been talking about, like, mm-hmm. you know, have, having fun, um, you know, getting outside out of your head, remi- reminding yourself why you do this, decoupling, like who you are as a person from any one single race result, like all of that stuff. Like, um, I feel like I, you know, it's really easy to preach and it's really hard for, for me. And I think for a lot of people to like deeply internalize that, um, come race day or, or even come a hard workout. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We touched on a lot of this stuff already. Um, all right. You have, you only pick one race for the rest <laughs> of your life to run, but you can run it every year. Which race are you choosing? Oh my gosh. You knew this was coming. I, oh yeah. I knew this was coming. Uh, so I'm struggling between, between Boston and New York, New York. I had a great experience, but Boston, I feel like it has my heart. Like I, I want that race. I want to run it well. I want to enjoy like every aspect of it. But both of those races, I guess, have this, have a similar thing where it's like the community absolutely like loves and turns out for the runner. So it's all about like going back to just like the runners want to be there. The, the community around wants to like cheer you on. Um, and I just think it's like this incredible celebration of what running, like the best of running can be. So I guess my answer is Boston. Um, yeah. Boston, New York, yeah. close second. All right. Close so what, what's the bucket list race? The bucket list race is probably an ultra. Um, I, I think I've, I probably want to do, I've been looking, I mean, my, my teammates talk about ultras all the time, um, but there's this really cool um, out and back um called Mount Hood 50 so it's a 50 miler um and it just looks beautiful and like the elevation isn't insane for an ultra it's very insane for a road runner um but I think eventually I would just love to kind of touch on an ultra and feel what that feels like um again going back to what you and I were talking about that feeling of like you know ultra people talk about being able to like go to the go to the well and then somehow come back and I I would just love to um at some point kind of experience what that, what that feels like, you know, that sounds great. Yeah, absolutely. And last one before we get to it, first of all, thank you so much for doing this. This has been a fantastic conversation. Um, in fact, we've gone so long. We're about to hit the 80 minute mark here on the podcast. Oh my goodness. Um, this, actually, this is going to be the first one that we're going to do a part one and part two. Um, oh, I did flies. not. I did not go into this conversation thinking that, but I'm like, as we're going, I'm like, I'm not going to stop this short. We're going to keep going. So, uh, uh, this. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Uh, I really yeah, appreciate it's been, it. It's been absolutely, absolutely wonderful. So, thank you. Uh, oh, my pleasure. So, who is your dream running partner? Um. Okay. So the first person that pops in my head is uh, Claire Gallagher, who she's an ultra runner out of Boulder. Um, she's actually a part of the swap team. Um, she won CCC, which is a part of um, this crazy race in Mont Blanc. Uh, the thing that I love about her, um, and again, I've actually never met her. So this is just from um, kind of our Facebook group um, and her Instagram is she's uh very like environmentally um she's an environmental advocate and i think she does this great job of kind of um 
finding the intersection between being an ultra runner, being out there, loving the sport, um, supporting others, and then using that as a platform for being an advocate for something that she cares about. And I just find that like super inspiring. And I think she'd be a, a cool running partner to, to chat with. Right. For two reasons. First of all, you have to be a pretty darn good runner to, <laughs> yeah. have your, to, to create a platform big enough to advocate for anything. Right. Exactly. And then to, uh, then to feel that strongly about something that's you know, that, that, that is important to her is obviously yeah. another another thing, especially if it meshes with your own you know, your own mindset and things that you that you value. So right. that's a great one. So two, yeah. two people in a row that had people that I didn't expect. So I never heard of Claire Gallagher before. And on the last show. Uh, someone said they wanted to run with Ellen DeGeneres. So, hey, oh, two in a row. I like that. Is Ellen a runner? I, kind of, I have I, no I idea. want her to be a runner. <laughs> you know, she, you know she's, I feel like she's active in some way. Yeah. Right? She looks like yeah, a fit person. Yeah. She dances on the show, right? So maybe yeah. she does some dancing and running. I don't know. But we'll yeah. see. Okay. Anyway, dance run. I love it. <laughs> dance run. I think that's, I think there's some odd YouTube videos of people prancing <laughs> through the woods uh, so, who are doing yeah. oh, yes. slash dance yes. running. Yes, uh, I've seen that. It's like more like ponies and horses. Right. And anyway, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show, Bridget. I really appreciate it and have a wonderful night. You too. Thanks, Matt. Thank you again, Bridget, for coming on the show. This was so much fun. And I hope you, the listener, liked what you heard. This is our first part one, part two episode series. And uh, I hope you like uh, that new setup. So, it's not going to necessarily be a consistent theme here on the podcast, but I also don't want to have the pressure of cutting an interview short that's going well simply for time's sake. So instead of putting out an episode that's over 90 minutes, I figured I'd break it up into two smaller episodes, and I'd love to get your feedback on that. So feel free to contact me on Facebook or on Instagram, rambling underscore runner on Instagram, same thing on Twitter, uh, rambling runner podcast on Facebook, or you can always just send me an email, rambling runner podcast at gmail.com with any feedback you have, positive, negative, neutral, whatever. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. So thanks again and happy running.